0: David Cunliffe remains about as popular in the Labor Caucus as a pussycat at Gareth Morgan's house.
1: Look, this is a la-la budget when my eyebrow goes
0: up. It's a joke. Do police still arrest criminals in New Zealand?
1: we tried cannabis prohibition for the past 40 years.
0: The fact is, that was a boring, useless speech. Zip it,
2: sweetie, I'm getting there. Mr Speaker, they say a week is a long time in
1: politics.
2: Kia ora and welcome back to the Iron Duke podcast, your weekly recap of all things policy and politics. This week we bring you the Wellington Special where we are going to be interviewing our top three mayoral candidates as determined by reputable polls, not us personally, to ask them about their vision for the city, what their policy platform looks like and for you just to get a bit of a feel about who they are.
3: I think this has been quite an interesting mayoral election, frankly. Uh, Lots of issues coming up, lots of issues that we wrote about in the Wellington report. would feel very close to us. I mean, for me personally, uh, transport in the city. Big challenge. That's yours. Driving through the city is very tough right now. Slowing right down. There's going to be a bloody thing on Chopham Drive, which is on the way to the airport. Road crossing, getting in the (laughs) way. A bloody
2: thing. You can tell Byron never walks when he refers to a pedestrian crossing as a bloody thing. There's
3: no reason to walk down there unless you're going for a jog along the waterfront or you're which biking Which Byron to work. doesn't. Uh, exactly. So getting in the way of me going to the airport, yeah, that's a big thing for me.
2: Mine's housing accessibility and affordability. And there's a secondary one for me, which is that I'm getting fricking lonely because of how many of my friends have left town due to the cost of living being so high here. The inability to get into your own home and just the catastrophic rents we're paying in the city.
3: So what we're going to do is we're going to run through our three interviews, Paul Eagle, Tori Fano and Andy Foster, in that order. Today we're joined by Paul Eagle, Wellington mayoral candidate and our first sitting MP on the Iron Duke podcast. So Paul, welcome along to the Iron Duke
4: podcast. Thank you so much for coming along. That's an honour, kia ora. and thank you for uh, that privilege of being the first.
2: Well, we actually made a rule, Paul, that when we started the podcast, we weren't going to have any uh, sitting MPs on, and then you went and found a bit of a loophole, so well done to you,
3: actually.
4: Fantastic, that's what I like to hear.
3: So let's kick things off with a bit of an overview about you. Who are you, Paul Eagle? Who are you?
4: So Paul Eagle, Wellingtonian, MP for Rongatai, which is Wellington Eastern South, and the Chatham Islands, which often people forget. But I say... A Wellingtonian but a proud and positive one because I'm sitting in front of you uh, with a vision for our city and that's to restore the mana of Wellington as the capital city of Aotearoa, New Zealand. And I say that because A, we lack a vision in my view and B, we are the capital city and we need to restore that status and prestige. And so you've mentioned they're bringing back the mana
3: to the city. Give us your elevator pitch. Why Paul Eagle?
4: Because I bring unity. One of the biggest issues that Wellingtonians have said is uh, they are over the dysfunction and division. They want someone who's had experience. So I've been the deputy mayor and I've also worked in local government. Many people don't know that for three of the largest councils across New Zealand. So I know how the machine works. The role of the mayor is to lead... And then to unite. And that's what Wellingtonians expect. They want someone who has the experience, who will bring unity.
2: What do you think are the three big priorities of the next Mm. council?
4: Yeah. So Wellingtonians have been clear around infrastructure, so fixing the pipes. And what I mean by that is, you know, just out on Willis Street here, uh, there was a pipe that burst three or four days ago by Stuart Dawson's Corner. We cannot have pipes that remain broken and water flowing all down the main streets. That's what people are really sick of. And I guess it does impact, in terms of attracting talent or being an attractive city, yep. that impacts city brand. And I know people are making decisions all the time about what city they live in for their future. We definitely need a plan. So I've talked about a vision, but the plan really is, is I think we've missed out on uh, central government funding, for example, because we simply don't have a master plan for Wellington look at everything from, say, Linden, the waterfront, very uh, similar to your recommendation number five in the Wellington <laughs> Report. the Wellington Report, listeners, nice. and if
2: you haven't, get onto it.
4: I think they should. I mean, I'm a real fan of, of all of the recommendations. That one's key because that one gives hope. Yep. And I know just walking around the city with the development community, they often, the eyes light up around what could happen. Mm-hmm. And that'll only happen if we have a plan. At the moment, there's too much division around the focus just on the streetscape, for example. And I guess that leads to let's get Wellington moving in terms of saying we'll refurbish the streetscape. But business are definitely saying, no, no, that could look good. It would look even better if we had a plan for business, retail, civic and community assets. Oh,
3: gosh, that's a good line.
4: Yeah. I love that. Drinking the
3: Kool-Aid now. (laughs) uh,
4: so, So the investment decisions aren't made in isolation of each other. If we are going to say, hey, let's ban private cars, how will that impact business? We're not quite there yet with mode shift. Yep. We've yep. got a really unreliable public transport system. We've yep. got these emissions targets. People are saying, you know, we want to achieve this. But if we're really going to achieve a 40% mode shift, we're not going to do that unless we bring Wellingtonians together with a plan.
3: How do you plan to build that unity, build those votes in and around the
4: council table here in Wellington?
2: The Wellington council table is also one of the most political in the country.
4: It is. It takes a mayor who doesn't ignore it or tries to combat it. You've got to work with it. Yeah. Look, you've got to build a relationship. I reckon that's the first thing you have to do. And I'm already doing that with lots of independence now in anticipation. I sort of know what they stand for. I'm even happy if they pinch a few ideas of mine. Because <laughs> I've to got me, good
2: ideas. Well, yeah,
4: nice. someone's looked at some policy positions. Um, I've told them that, you know, when you look at the recommendations of things like the Wellington Report, there's some good ideas in there. So the ideas are done... It's not about you trying to reinvent the wheel at times, it's, it's mm. they've done the research, they've put a process and a framework around getting that information as Mayor, you know, I will have a strong um, governance structure design done. Council's on day one, some will know absolutely nothing about how local mm. government works, bless them, <laughs> so they'll need some work. People who have already put their hands up, who are experts saying, we can do strengths-based building, yep. we can help you design that. Plus, I want to have an agenda that's Politically led, not officer led. Okay. I'm sorry to all those council staff listening. Time's not up, but what what I'm saying is we're resetting with a strong elected member mandate, and I will lead that. I think the mayor, the next mayor, has to lead the elected membership, but also instruct the CEO, who's our sole employee, to deliver the vision.
3: What would you like to say to those in your electorate now?
4: I'm still there, but guess what? I'm going to be even better than I am now. Um, you can look forward to better engagement, and an even better representative. So I won't be in the roundhouse in Parliament, but I'll be in a different, hopefully refurbished town hall that doesn't keep Mm -hmm. going over budget on Wakefield Street. Put me in the middle of people, and as most people say, as I haven't met Paul or or I'm unsure about him, you should meet him. Thank you so much. As is tradition on the Iron Duke podcast, we
3: always finish with a quickfire, hot or not, so a few topical things that if you like it, it's hot. If you don't, it's not. Have you got your three ready? They're all up here. They're all up there? Wow. Cool. Maddie, kick us off.
2: Congestion charging. Hot. The giant shed. That giant could be shed. a vibrant entertainment and hospitality precinct. I People? like your vision. Hot. Wonderful, wonderful. And lastly, Shelley Bay. Uh,
4: I'm going to say hot because I voted for it.
3: Nice. Uh, so my three, uh, uh, you know, one of them might be a bit controversial. Uh,
4: light rail for the city. I'd like to see a Let's Get Wellington move in that focus far more on urban regeneration, housing. Yeah. Um, intensification along Adelaide Road. Hot. Choosing to refurbish the central library. I say hot, but guess what? The Honourable Christopher Finlayson. Has taken the procurement case to the office of the auditor general and is claiming that there's a better option and could stuff. save sixty five to a hundred million. Wow! Wow! <laughs> what? Yep. He's okay. yes. Oh
3: my gosh.
2: We we trust on Chris. We are joined live in Injuk Studios by Tori Fano. Tori, welcome. Kia ora, thank
1: you for having me. We're about a week out from polls closing, so how are Ooh. you feeling? It's quite surreal. Like, I've been campaigning for almost a year now, and uh, I just can't believe we only have a week to go. Ooh. Yeah, and, and honestly, could not call. We've, we've had a couple of polls, mm-hmm. but we still can't call it. And look, I just want to know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I think STV, you know, using STV, single exactly. transferable vote for those not in the Beltway, yeah. actually creates a little bit more excitement.
1: Yeah, and, and it's kind of like... Especially when you look at, say, the top four, if, you go, if you're to go with the Q&A poll, we've got Ray Chung there in the, in fourth place. You know, his, his second preferences will probably go to Andy and mm. um, mine or Paul's to each other. So it's honestly, it, it's hard to say.
3: To kick things off, Tori, tell us a little bit about yourself. Before we go into your vision for the city, tell mm. us about yourself. Who is Tori Fano?
1: So who am I? I? I grew up in Cannons Creek in Porirua and went to Cannons Creek Primary School there. My parents lived in a state home. My nan and koro were also living there. My koro was an actor, a theatre actor, so he'd do some stage shows at Circa in Wellington City, and my nan was a cleaner. Me and my parents, we moved to Taranaki, because that's actually where we whakapapa do, that's where my iwi is from. So we went to high school there, but look, ended up back in Wellington. And so I came here for uni, I went to Vic Uni, studied film, media studies and uh, politics and just haven't left. I I did spend a year in Melbourne for my career to try help. like, nah, when I come home, I came back home again. And so I actually have a corporate marketing background, mainly with the financial industry. That's how I ended up with the Greens, as their kind of like corporate marketer, and somehow have become a politician, (laughs) which was not the plan. Honestly, Um, that place is contagious. Oh, no, honestly, once you get like a taste of Parliament... You're hooked.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: yeah. And so I ended up staying there for six, seven years. Got very tired after. It was just like, I kind of want to get back to the real world. And I actually saw uh, local government as a really great way to do that because you can kind of have that day-to-day operational stuff to do Mm. with your city. You get to localise your politics, localise your priorities, and have a lot more engagement with the community. So that's what I was interested in. Give us your elevator pitch for
2: Te Whanganori Otara Poneki Wellington.
1: The city is awesome. And there's actually a lot of great stuff about it, but it's gone through some hard times with, with COVID, things happening worldwide. And I was just feeling a little bit dissatisfied, not with the council as such, but with leadership. I, I think we're going into a new era where we need to take the next generation with us. We need to mm-hmm. build a future-focused city for our generation. We have young people locked out of the housing market. Mm. We have a climate crisis. So for me, when I think of the vision for our city, I think of everyone having access to an affordable, warm, dry home, uh, well designed. I see green spaces, I see uh, public transport options that'll help lower our missions to deal with the climate crisis. I see our arts industry thriving again. I imagine, uh, you know, really uh, redesigned streets where we can have outdoor parks, outdoor dining, walking your dog along the street, uh, riding a scooter and not worrying about getting in, t- in someone's way. Mm. Of course, safe cycleways across our city that our kids can safely get across the city and, We've got our Fano, you mm. know, sleeping rough on the streets. We can't judge. We don't know how they got there. They're us. Yep. Mm. They are our people. They're our whānau. So how do we help them? So on top of that, it's getting them into a warm homing, home and allowing them to have access to things like mental health support, alcohol, drug harm reduction. What I'm wanting to bring to the city is we've got to think about our people and we've got to think about creating a better city where the next generation, our rangatahi, can actually stay here and make this their home. What are some of your views for development in around the city? Yeah, so I still think that our city council has to retain ownership over our community housing. Mm-hmm. But we need to, I suppose, uh, work in with government Um, and advocate for things like extending the rental subsidy, refreshing a lot of our current housing stock because they're actually in a really poor state. Mm. And I know we have a bit of a construction crisis as well, so um, how can the government change uh, regulation around materials? How can we encourage innovation in New Zealand so that we're empowering our own building industry and starting to pull in those um, kind of more climate resilient materials as well? So there's actually a lot of opportunity here, um, but but I think this requires a really tight working relationship central government uh, to get that right.
3: Wonderful. Where do you see business playing a role in that?
1: So I've met with a lot of business owners who of course have concerns around parking and pedestrianising our streets. My story to them is we've seen internationally that actually pedestrianising our streets leads to much more foot traffic, which in turn benefits our hospitality industry and retail. On the other hand, what I want to see is we're seeing a lot of our talent go elsewhere, mm. go overseas. Yeah, major concern, major, major concern. Major concern, so I want to develop the pipeline from skills to local industry a lot more and on top of retaining our own talent, I want to lobby the government to really relax a lot more immigration rules so Mm. we can attract even international talent here. What we love about Wellington is its diverse community. So we want to encourage it. It's really cool. Exactly. Um, And so I've been, in particular, I'm rather focused on, say, the tech industry, our arts and culture industry and hospitality industry, because there is a bit of a skills shortage there. So I want to help develop programs, whether that's a government role. I think it's a combined role with the council as well. Those kind of like... um, you know, shorter, per- like UB. Yeah, yeah. No, okay, yeah. Per- exactly what mean, yeah. Not everyone has to go to uni you know, and, nope. and it's actually incredibly expensive for louder for, for it. the people in the back. Yeah, yeah, like, and it's incredibly expensive for a lot of people. So until that's dealt with, yep. like, I love our university, but until that's kind of more accessible for people, actually, let's encourage more young people to get into these skills uh, training opportunities so that we can put them straight into our business yep. and businesses can grow them. And I've spoken to a lot of businesses about this and they love that idea. Good,
3: amalgamation. Where do you sit on that spectrum?
1: I'm open to the idea. Cool. So I respect that the decision has already been made by Wellingtonians, and that wasn't the right time to address this issue. Auckland was also having some teething options. However, I think in the near future, we're going to have to revisit that idea. It does create a bit more like equity when it comes to housing and transport. It streamlines those significant projects, which are going to have to really be prioritised. Mm. And I think, as I heard with the Chamber report, there's a desire and yeah. how it might have a positive impact mm. on business and rates I mean why not let's look at it if we need a referendum whatever but I think it's certainly worth talking about and it's one that I'm leaning towards a yes cool awesome nice hey look
2: as is tradition on the Iron Duke podcast we always finish off with a hot or not we're going to give you topical issues from the upcoming election if you like them they're hot if you don't they're not Byron kick us off
3: uh first one's easy we need to bring back lime scooters hot or not
1: do you mean like the lot as opposed to flamingo yeah Oh not I like I like the current back shame <laughs> Yeah. Oh good.
3: <laughs> I, I just thought they were a cool colour. Um topical. Let's get Wellington moving.
1: I'm real hot on that.
3: Cool. And uh, third one for me, and I think I've asked every everyone this, is uh as part of that subset of that. Light rail for the city.
1: Hot. Very hot. Bendy buses. Oh man, yes. <laughs>
3: No, let's, what have happened to bendy buses? Well, Where'd exactly. they go? Well,
1: let's go back to the days where we had trams all over the place, you know? But um, look, I'd settle for light rail.
3: Cool. Nice. I like it.
2: The council reinforcing homes that are about to slip off the side of every <laughs> suburb in Wellington.
1: Yeah. Ooh, Ooh. That's a tough Maddie. one. Maddie. No, so actually... <laughs> <laughs> no, fair, fair call. Got to be quick <laughs> cool. nah,
2: Get it. Yep. And lastly, the airport extension
1: no cool
2: I like it it's definitive
3: Andy Foster joins us for our final mirror interview of this series Andy thank you so much for giving us your time it's
0: it's a pleasure great to be at um, Iron Duke Productions
3: (laughs) (laughs) I love it so tell us
0: about you who is Andy Foster uh, well, look, I'm a, a long-term Wellingtonian, I've lived in Karori for 50 years, came here as a, a five-year-old to uh, to Wellington, I'm a father to, to uh, now, one just just out of teenage years, so a 20-year-old and a 17-year-old. Congratulations, um, well done. Yeah, we got we got that bit done, you know, he's, he's out working and uh, that's all good. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I love the looking after the natural environment and being involved in the natural environment, so whether that's out, you know, tramping or. Kayaking, those sort of things, when the rare times they get the, the chance. Um, but also, you know, just getting my hands dirty, doing you know, trapping and oh, restoration. I'm a, I'm a foundation trustee of, of Zealandia, so I've been involved in Zealandia since the, the day Jim Lynch said oh, I've got this mad idea, <laughs> and, um, and we th- we could make this work, and we did. And so well, now we've got kaka flying through the city. I know, look when I see the kakar, the kereu flying around, and and hear the kiwi at night, and it's like you know, I go, we've done something really good.
2: Going forward. What is your vision for Wellington?
0: Well, I think Wellington has the potential to be the best city in the world. But look, we're already an amazing city. Cities have been beaten up a little bit over the last couple of years with COVID. But we're coming back. You can see us coming back. So I want us to be a city which is inclusive, a city which everybody feels that they are welcome, they belong, that they can be who they want to be. Sustainability, being a city which uh, we've already talked about, the the restoration Mm. of the city, that's that's really, really important to me. And to be a creative city, so where we treasure the arts, the culture, uh, the events that we have here, but also the creative businesses, because that's, that's a lot of our future. And then there's that whole thing of being a, just a city that, that draws people. We've got a fantastic heart of the city, uh, I think better than any other city in the country, and it's really about putting it back together, and getting it you know, firing on all cylinders. Um, and, and so that's, that's really what I'm all about.
2: So what's the plan? What's What's the plan? plan? What's your plan?
0: Exactly. In terms of the the stuff that we actually need to get done. Exactly. Obviously, where others are going to say, I want to fix the pipes, I will say, I am already fixing the pipes. So you can look at the the infrastructure investment we're making. So, you know, go down on Taranaki Street. uh, That's that's after the one we built up Bowen Street and Whitmore Street. And those things are about making sure we never end up with wastewater going back into the harbour again. Uh, we're, we're building the biggest reservoir that the city's ever built up at Omaroro. that will be commissioned before Christmas. We've made decisions on sludge treatment and uh, a landfill, which is about making sure that we can then drive uh, waste minimisation. So that's all about, that goes with environmental sustainability, mm. making sure we minimise our footprint on the planet.
3: And so, um, given, your, given your vision for the
0: city and everything that's underway, where do you see the role of the business community in that? So I've actually just written an article um, to talk about the kind of things that which we need to do. One of the, the things which we are involved in doing through Wellington NZ is Creative HQ. And I, I was involved in going around looking at quite a number of emerging digital tech businesses. And these are businesses which all come out of garages. Many of them have gone through Creative HQ. They've been given a help, assistance, guidance in, in, you know, in things that maybe those particular creative entrepreneurs weren't so good at. And these are now businesses which are doing business all over the world. Mm. You know, the a big ones like Sharesies. You ask them, what is it about Wellington that makes Wellington a great place to do business? Part of it's the ecosystem. And that's why you need good hospo, good retail, a good vibe in town because it makes it a great place to be.
2: After all, you're only one vote around the council table, and you've got a, an amazing vision, and some great ideas. What are you going to do to build consensus to get people behind them for another term?
0: Well, look, I've obviously had a really challenging term with the mm. term that we just had, and uh, you know, I was presented on on day three with um, the majority of my council saying we don't really want you here, and uh, we're not we're going to try and make life very tough for you, and they did. But the second half of the council term has been just it's been pretty much chalk and cheese. Look, there's decisions that they will make, which I go, oh no, no <laughs> I don't like that decision. But at least it's mu- it's much more collegial, much more positive, and we've got stuff done. Yep. you know the kind of things I was referring to before that stands out in really good contrast to the last. I'm going to say three councils at least. We've we've probably got more done, in, you know, in our three years than those three councils did in their nine. So, and you know, the stuff you've got
2: done isn't sexy either.
0: Well, pipes not sexy. Well, people seem to think they are, but now yeah, yeah, they're, they're pretty they're hot, yeah. at, the <laughs> yeah, pretty hot at the moment. They're pretty hot at the moment. Pipes, reservoirs, decisions on sludge treatment and landfills. That's not sexy stuff. But it's important stuff.
3: Speaking of the grunt work, one of the things that the business community, you know, really wanted to get through to uh, to the council in the Wellington report that we were part of is, you know, getting the basics right. Did you have a kind of a reaction to that report? To what business kind of said? What did you think? You know, hearing from the business community and their and their recommendations yeah, look, in that look,
0: report. Look, there were some good things in there, and we go, you know, we can pick those up. There are other things. It was also like, guys, we're actually doing those sort of things. Um, you know, like the first, as you said, the first one was fix the pipes. Well, we are fixing the pipes. You know, there were one or two others. Like, I mean, there was some comments around. Um, um, homelessness and saying it's much worse than it was. Actually, it's not. It's actually it's actually basically the same as it was before. I mean, I know that uh, MSD are now you know coming and telling me, well, uh, we're doing this work here to get people into permanent housing. We're doing this work here to get people into employment and sustain that for as long as we can. That's the kind of answer, because you're trying to fix, in that case, you're not only trying to fix the city, you're trying to fix broken lives there too. That's right. That's really important.
2: Can you describe the Paniki Promise for those who won't be familiar with it?
0: Yeah, so Paniki Promise was our um, response to, um, essentially to that issue, that something changed um, between post pre, you know, pre-COVID and post-lockdown. Um, and it wasn't, you know, normally around the central city, you've always got some alcohol issues, um, which you, you, but they come and they go a little bit. But there was something fundamentally changed, and it was issues around safety and the feeling of mm, safety mm, in mm. the middle of the day. So it wasn't generated just by alcohol and bars and things like that. And, and it was the emergency housing. It was the one clear change that had happened. So the number of people in emergency housing had tripled. Mm. And as I said, no support had been put around those people, and they often had complicated needs. You know, people who come out of prison or got drug and alcohol addictions, et cetera. So it's everybody coming to the table and saying, what is our bit that we can do to contribute to making the place look safer, feel safer, be safer. One
3: of the other recommendations that was really hot and came up in probably every single workshop that we did was that of amalgamation. The neighbouring councils, what are we doing together, what can we do better together? Where do you stand on that kind of spectrum of what we should do? In terms of amalgamation, I mean,
0: a lot of resource and and energy went into that, uh, what am I going to say, six or seven years ago, I think it was. Um, That's not really a focus at the moment. If councils became smaller effectively in their reach, you might go, yeah, amalgamation makes more sense. Naturally. Uh, But if they don't become smaller, then maybe it doesn't. So I'd say it's, you know, it's... um, You're open to the idea. That's what I'm I'm hearing. I'm I'm open to the idea. It really depends on form should follow function. We haven't worked out the function yet. Let's get the function sorted and then let's work out the form.
3: So as is tradition on the Unjuke podcast, we're going through quick hot or not. If you like it, it's hot. If you don't, it's not. First one on the agenda, the status of Let's Get Wellings Moving.
0: I'm going to say it's uh, it's getting hotter.
3: <laughs> good answer. Second one: the return of lime scooters and lime bikes to Wellington at some point.
0: Well, we've got some good operators at the moment, and Lyme aren't one of them. Exactly, uh, so they so, so are not. <laughs> <laughs> and last thing for me: light rail running through the city. I think it's more likely bus rapid transit. I think it's cheaper, and I think it's more flexible. Nice, brilliant, Maddie.
2: Fantastic. Four lanes to the plains.
0: Oh well, I think we're going to get four lanes. We've got a four lane tunnel. Uh, it's just how you want to use that four lanes.
2: I like that one. Nice, that's like good, that's that. good. Increasing housing density in our heritage suburbs.
0: I'm going to go for a knot on that one because <laughs> where we are at the moment. I think we can do what we need to do without destroying the character of our city.
2: A Taupo-style driving range at Oriental Bay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I haven't really thought about that one. I suspect that's probably a knot because we don't want to put too many golf balls at yeah, the I've, actually, I've <laughs> actually
2: tried to work out how the consenting would
0: happen. I'd <laughs> fish them out and use them on the
3: weekend Anyway. <laughs>
2: Once again, just like to thank each of our candidates for giving us their time. But Byron, what do you think?
3: Really interesting mix of candidates. Obviously we've got two candidates who are experienced in Parliament, somewhat, one from behind the scenes, some from being the scene. And then we've got a very experienced councillor who's been on the council here in Wellington for thirty plus years. So a really interesting mix. I think what was cool for me hearing from all of the candidates was that they're putting the city first. I know that sounds a bit naff. It does. But they are putting the city first. Not not a lot of them were talking about themselves or their kind of ability to do this or that kind of stuff. They spoke about what the city should be, and I, I thought that was pretty good. What did you take away from our three interviews, Maddie?
2: I don't really know what I thought, and as someone who still has their voting paper sitting on their bench at home, I don't really think those conversations made it too much easier. What it clarified to me, though, is that they've all got a strong vision for the city. They're all very ambitious. To be honest, they're all after some iteration of the same thing. Tory was definitely far more aggressive in that public transport space, which I mean won't appeal to voters like you because you're just elite. I think Paul's got really good ideas around how to build consensus, and I think he could be like a proper kind of collegial figurehead for the council as for Andy I think he is getting on with the job we may not have seen so much of it because of how distracted this council has been because of how political this council has been but you can see that he places real value in getting the basics right
3: I think so so voters of Wellington and interested parties all around the world that is potentially your next mayor we don't know which one but one of those will be so remember locals get out and vote and until then